here at Church of the Rock. We have, we have done our best uh, to make our objective as simple and as clear as possible. It's our objective that you would grow in love for God. And then as that happens, that you would learn to love others. And as, as those relationships are transformed, uh, that you would be compelled, joining with Christ, to go to others and invite them into that same love, into that deeper relationship with God, and that's called disciple-making. That's our objective. That's what we're after. Towards that goal at Church on the Rock, uh, we do three things. We provide training opportunities. We provide connecting opportunities where you can link arms with others and be encouraged by other believers. And then we provide service opportunities uh, where you can... Uh, participate as servants and work out the truths that you believe in service to others. So, uh, this week we have two new training opportunities that I want to make you aware of, uh, but rather than me tell you about them, I'm going to invite up uh, two teachers that are going to be sharing about uh, Tuesday trainings that start this week. Would you guys welcome up to the stage Dory Hagen and Michael Beard. Oh, here we go. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. You made it. Welcome. All right, I'll start with you. Here we go. All right. Thank you, Aaron. How are your legs doing, by the way? Uh, they're doing okay uh, when they're working, and when they're not, I just take them off and relax. <laughs> <laughs> Which I... happens about every evening, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate I've, the help getting up and down. I've never taken off my legs to relax. Yeah, That's yeah. a crazy deal. It, uh, if you can do it, it, it works. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> uh, you and I talked about your Tuesday training that's coming up quite some time ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I was so compelled. In fact, in that brief conversation about your class, I've, you gave me some new thoughts that I, in fact, my staff will tell you that I have since shared with others, which is fantastic. Awesome. So you have a four-week class coming up. It's yes. going to be happening up at Alaska Bible Institute, mm-hmm. downstairs in the classroom building. Right. Uh, tell us what that class is. Yes, it's a class on wisdom, uh, not because I figured it all out. Right. <laughs> but um, wisdom is one of those things where the word itself uh, gets very weird and vague and mysterious. It's used it's, a lot. Yeah, and, and it's something that we really want to be yep. a part of our lives. Sure. And when we read in the book of Proverbs, we read that uh, wisdom is crying aloud in the streets and yeah. in the crossroads saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. And we're scratching our heads wondering, we don't even know what you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but after many years of trying to, you know, find some kind of practical uh, way to understand and get a hold of what this whole thing called wisdom is, um, I, I think Scripture is uh, pretty clear. And it's really, it was never intended to be mysterious. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, like um, Skip gives us a really great alternative to the word faith, yeah. which is dependence. Yeah, yeah. There is a great 
uh, word that kind of explains what wisdom is. I, I've never found that skillful living is all that practical, something that I can really build into my life. Mm -hmm. And so I've been looking for other alternatives, and I think I found one, and it is going to be revealed on Tuesday night. Yeah. Yeah. You so told he, me he already, so yeah. I already know. Yeah, he already knows. And that's what I've actually shared with a few people because awesome. it was so compelling to me. Yeah. And it's made me go back and awesome. look at some things again. Cool. Uh, so four weeks. Four weeks. On the topic very, of wisdom. Yes. And it's very practical and it's very achievable. Uh, it's not a state that we enter into and we're never foolish again. <laughs> yeah, I wish, but that's not yeah. how it works. So it's going to be very uh, practical. And, and um, wisdom, we are told um, to train our children. Yeah. You know, Proverbs is addressed to children. So yeah. it, it is. It's available all through life. It's very practical. It's not mysterious. Um, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's, it's, it's awesome. So I really, really hope to share that. That's so great. Uh, I'm thankful for your role as a teacher. I've already benefited so many times. Uh, so yeah, so that's Tuesday training. Again, our Tuesday trainings happen from 6.30 to 8. Be happening up at Alaska Bible mm -hmm. Institute with the wise Michael Beard offering his thoughts on wisdom. <laughs> we'll that's, see. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And then we have Dory Hagen, who you all know, uh, with, uh, who's now offering, actually you're doing a number of different things. I won't even list them all here in the community. <laughs> but one of the things you're doing is you're doing a class that you've done before mm -hmm. a couple of times. Yeah. It's just a one week class happening yeah. this Tuesday. Mm -hmm. It's going to be happening at my house. Yes. Uh, tell us about what that covers, what the class is. Yes. So this will be the third year, um, teaching on uh, understanding depression, how to love someone with depression. Um, depression is, it's an ex I love the uh, this one definition, it's an excruciatingly um, emotional, painful state of mind and body. And um, I know that well because I've suffered myself three different episodes of severe clinical dep depression. And so if, uh, if you're an individual that, understand, that knows depression, maybe you're feeling depressed, maybe you've had it before and wondering how to better reinforce that, you know, in case you get depressed again, you know, you can come to the class because towards the end of the class, I'm going to offer some practical tools um, as well as it, treatment options. Mm -hmm. For those of you who love someone who suffers with depression, I have also uh, have a family member that's in the past suffered from deep depression. And it's, it's just, there's just a real place of feeling helpless, yeah. Um, yeah. feeling uh, so incredibly sad for them and wanting so desperate to see them in a place of life and laughter and then feeling distant from them. Mm -hmm. um, almost to where, okay, you know what, there's nothing I can do, so... And, and so just that, what? What do I do? What is it all about? You know, why, why can't, I, I knew them once to be strong. Why can't they be strong now? Well, depression has so many different facets to it. Like I said, it literally affects the mind, the body. You know, there's a biopsychosocial, spiritual aspect yeah. of depression. So yeah. we're going to cover that. I'll explain to you in the best way I can in the time that we are allotted what depression is, what causes depression, as well as how to love the person you love in the best way you can so that yeah. you... I'll put tools in your hands too so that you feel like that you're doing something that's, that's helpful. But not yeah. only helpful, but they can actually come alongside them right where they're at and walk with them in the journey, which is a mm. beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dory. Thank you, Michael. Uh, we look forward to hearing more from you guys. Let me help you down. Thank you, sir. Invite Drew back up. Yeah, give him a hand. 
Uh, I want to, that's right, this is my side, that's your side. Good, good. Um, if you are uh, 20 years old and below, um, one of my favorite Proverbs, I believe it's 23, 23, I probably should have looked it up, says, buy knowledge, buy wisdom, purchase it. In other words, whatever price you must pay to get a hold of, of truth, do it. So for you young people, take a Tuesday training. Uh, plan to take a class, whether it be uh, Michael's class or Dory's class or one of our upcoming classes. Uh, plan to take some deliberate steps to put yourself in an environment where you're getting some new information, some new tools for your own growth. Okay, one other thing we want to cover real quick before we go on to the next piece. Yep. So um, this last uh, week, we did the missions conference. That's right. We had a great time. It was a great time. We had on dessert night, Sunday night, which was the free event we had. Uh, your dad shared. Yeah. We had a handful of local uh, ministries or people who are from Homer that have been on missions for a long time yeah. that shared. We had a couple hundred people show up for that. And then we had the banquet night. Yeah. Arguably s some really delicious food. It was really good. It was really great. Uh, and as you guys know, I'm a big fan of the food, like we covered a couple weeks ago. Um, but it was a really great time. So a couple things. First off, uh, something I heard throughout the whole missions conference from missionaries was how refreshed they were yeah. by their time yeah. that they felt. And this was my prayer going into it, something I shared at the kickoff on Saturday night. But uh, one of the things I, I shared with all the missionaries was that I really felt that God wanted to bring refreshment, but also uh, clarity as they move forward into the coming year or coming years. Yeah. There'd be a new sense of uh, focus in their ministry and clarity about what God wants to do. And I heard it over and over and over again uh, uh, from people. And then uh, another thing that happened that I was... I don't know if surprise is the right word, but that still felt a little um, like, wait, really? Yeah. Was probably half a dozen times that someone who I've talked to about, hey, you should go on a short-term missions trip. Go visit oh, a missionary. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And they, they've told me, yeah, I, I want to. Over and over again, I had people come up, like, up close. I'm going. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's awesome. Like, just so excited, yes. which is like... That's great. That's the dream. Yeah, yeah. That is the dream. So I was like just delighted at that. So many, what looks like probably a lot of people from our church going to visit missionaries overseas, that's which a, makes me great. excited. I'm YWAM. Um, and then, <laughs> the, yeah. and then uh, the last thing that really uh, uh, was amazing that I heard from, from a lot of people, the missionaries and uh, um, a lot of people from our church was, and this exact phrase, so this is the exact phrasing I heard uh, a couple dozen times, yeah. 20 plus, was, I, I am so glad we're a church that cares about missions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, we all care, but the proof of how much you care is in what you do. Yeah, yeah. And, and it takes a lot of work to do this. Yeah. And can we put that number up? So through Missions Conference, we pledge for the coming year, 216,000. Yeah. That's right. Which is just amazing. So... Church and Rock, you are a church that cares about missions. Yeah. And the proof is in the put, uh, right there. The proof <laughs> I was is gonna in say, the in, in the in, in the pledge number. In that pudding. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I was gonna combine them together and then gave yeah. up. Um, I want to do uh, one last thing about missions conference. Yeah. Um, the team that makes missions conference happen. Amazing. 
is uh, close to 100 people to make that conference happen. Yeah. Um, it takes, uh, and we said this at the banquet, but in a lot of cases, people have done uh, months of preparation to pull that conference off. We start talking with the missionaries about nine months in advance about coming to the missions conference, um, whether they're here uh, in Homer in the state or uh, all around the world. Um, and so uh, I just found myself honestly in tears multiple times. Yeah at the hard work, the dedication, the sacrifice, and the generosity of our church, yeah. and feel absolutely privileged to be a part of Church on the Rock, to be part of a family that prioritizes mission so much, they sacrifice their time and their money and other conveniences to make this work and to make it happen. So would you guys join me and give a big thank you to all the volunteers that put on the conference? Yeah. Yeah. If you're here for the first time, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my good friend, Drew, yep. also one of the pastors here. Uh, if you'd like, you can head over to the info table after the service. Uh, they'll have a card there you can fill out that'll put us in contact with you, let you know about uh, opportunities for your growth here at Church on the Rock. Mm -hmm. uh, also, we want you to know if you are here for the first time, uh, we have a very important guest with us this morning, uh, the Spirit of God. Uh, sent because of the work of Christ on the cross to speak to you. It's our prayer during the week when we get together leading up to this time that you would hear from him uh, this morning as we look into the word, as we spend some time in worship. So uh, welcome to you. So let's yeah. dive in. Why don't you yeah. pray for me and we'll, we'll go. Sounds like a plan. You guys can extend your hands uh, with me if you'd like. Jesus, I thank you for um, Aaron. I ask that you would help him to clearly communicate what you've put on his heart. I ask that you yeah. would um, uh, make our hearts sensitive to your word uh, and, to, and to what you want to do this morning um, in our hearts and in our lives. I ask that it would be, uh, that our hearts would be sensitive to your voice, that you would move through your word, Holy Spirit, that you would move in our hearts. We don't want to just hear a good message, Lord. We want transformation in our hearts. Yes, so prepare God. us to hear your word. And would you help Aaron to communicate it with clarity and with power? Thank you, Jesus, for Aaron. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's one way I could switch gears. It's my mom's birthday today, so that's awesome. <laughs> She's finally 47. <clears throat> I want you to turn to John 14. So we are jumping ahead, and I'm going to move pretty rapidly through this time this morning. Um, we're going to spend the next, I believe it's five weeks, uh, examining the last conversation that Jesus had with his closest friends. Uh, we know it as the Last Supper. Uh, it's a meal that they all shared together. And John uh, provides us with an in-depth look at the conversation that Jesus had with his followers. <clears throat> Let me give you just really quickly the context of what we're going to jump into, and then I'll give you some direction as, as to where we're going this morning. We're in the upper room. This is the night before Jesus would be uh, put on trial. Uh, they've gathered together to celebrate uh, the Passover, the Jewish festival of Passover, they're in the upper room. Jesus has already done the uh, foot washing, which is essentially his 
he, he wanted to show something to his disciples, and the way that he showed them was by doing a, a menial task, a humble task that no one else had volunteered to do by washing their feet. Uh, it was not a ceremony. It was a real job that needed to be done that no one volunteered for. So then the, the food is set out, they're enjoying their last meal, and then Jesus dismisses Judas, knowing full well what Judas's plan is. He says, there's one here that's going to betray me, and he dips the bread with Judas and says to him, go and do what you intend to do. And the disciples, of course, are a little confused by this. They don't understand exactly what has transpired between the two of them. And so there they are, Jesus and 11 of the 12 disciples. And he has something to tell them. Let me read you, and this frames our whole discussion this morning, this news, and I'll tell you kind of how we're going to work through it. John 13, this is actually the chapter ahead of time. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, Where I am going, you cannot come. And a new command I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love each other. Jesus says, guys, um, I I have been saying this. I have been pointing forward to this. But here it is. I am leaving I'm taking off, and you can't come with me. I remember when I was 18 years old, Jenny left to go to Europe, to go to Bible school for 10 months. This was prior to email and Skype, and I think we had email, we just didn't know how to use it. was fairly new. Ten months. Can you imagine not seeing Jenny for ten months? I mean, it's just a terrible thought. And so I would play the soundtrack to Braveheart in my ABI <laughs> dorm room and just wallow in the sadness of it all, you know, night after night, suffering. Maybe she would come back. Good news, she did. That's worked out well for me. What I want to do is uh, highlight quickly five questions the disciples have for Jesus in response to this news. He says, I'm going. I'm leaving. You can't come. Five questions they ask him in response, and then I'm going to end with uh, three sort of observations from this conversation the first question comes from Peter. John 13, 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And I find it interesting that Jesus doesn't answer his question because he knows what's behind the question. Peter is a hard charger. Lord, tell us where you're going, and I don't need your permission to be there. I'll just meet you there, right? Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I go, you can't follow me. 
And then he adds another little bit of detail, and with his response to each question, he provides a little more information. The disciples are trying to dig for information, right? But you will follow later. Second question, Peter follows up, and he says to him, Lord, why, why can I not follow you now? I would lay down my life for you. And Jesus, we don't really know the tone of his voice, but I appreciate his response. His response is, will you? Because as Jesus knew, he would not, right? That Peter would be the one to, to, to really run, not only run, but then to lie to keep himself out of, his, out of trouble. Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay my life down for you. And Jesus said, will you? Will you lay your life down for me? I'm going to tell you that tonight a rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. And then he goes on, he's, he's opening up the door a little bit more, cracking the window. John 14, verse 1, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You don't need to be so bothered by this information or this news. Believe in God and believe in me. In my Father's house are many places. If it weren't so, I would have told you. For I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, you can be assured that I will come and get you. And I will bring you to that place that where I am, you may be also. So he offers a little more information. He says, okay, so let me tell you where I'm going. I'm going to the Father. And I'm going to Father to make some preparation so that we can be together. You need to understand, it's not my intention that we will be forever separated it's that we will be forever together, but there's still some work to be done to make that possible. And then he says this, and you know the way where I am going. And Thomas says, no, we don't. The third question, how do we get there? Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we... we we do not know where you are going. And if we don't know where you're going, how would we know the way to where you're going? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. But from now on, you know him and have seen him. How do you get to where I am going? I am the way to where I am going. And he makes an interesting statement. He says, if you really knew who I was, then you would understand that you have seen the Father. But now that you understand, you know him and you have seen him. 
which leads to the fourth question. Philip says, no, we haven't. The fourth question, can you show us the Father? Can you show us God? We've been following you all of these years. You're leaving. Can you reveal to us the Father? Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Okay, fine, you're leaving that part about how you're the way to where you're going, that was confusing. Uh, but anyways, you seem committed to this plan. Maybe you could just, uh, as, as a parting, as a departing gift, you could show us God. That would be, that would be amazing. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you and you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And the words that I say, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. And I just imagine the disciples, again, we don't know all the nuance, looking at each other and going, does anyone know what he's talking about? Does anyone have a commentary that could help explain what in the world he is saying? If you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. So how could you say, show us the Father? He goes on, jumping ahead to verse uh, 20. He says, in that day... You will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. And Judas, the other Judas, raised his hand and said, I still have another question. Uh, why, why can't everyone see God? You just said that if we love you, you will disclose yourself to us, which means that you won't disclose yourself to everyone else. Why? You need to understand, these Jewish men still had the idea that, that Jesus had come to set up a political dynasty. And Jesus, at a very fundamental level, is disappointing them profoundly. You were going to be president. They were going to impeach Trump, and you were going to take over the Son of God. You were going to rule the universe. And how are you going to do that if no one even knows who you are, if you only reveal yourself to those who love you? And Jesus says this, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our abode, we will make our home with him. I actually wrestled for a few weeks trying to see the thread through this conversation. What is, the, what is the theme of these questions that, that connects this conversation, that brings coherency to this extended conversation that we're made privy to? And suddenly it struck me. 
They don't have internet. That's the problem. <laughs> a little Skype, a good Wi-Fi signal, we could have this solved. What they're wrestling with, I believe, is, is fundamental, is basic to the human challenge of walking in faith. What they're wrestling with is the distance between them and God. Because they had grown accustomed to not having any distance. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one, they got to see him tangibly, walk with him, experience him, ask him questions. And now he has said, I'm leaving and you can't come with me. And they're trying to decide whether it should be the soundtrack to Braveheart or some other soundtrack that they should listen to at nights. How will we, how does this work if you're not, if you're not with us, if you're not near us? I don't, wait, where are you going? Well, you can't come with me. Why can't we come with you? Well, it's not time, it's, but when it is time, you'll know how to get there. Wait a second, we don't know how to get there because you haven't told us where you're going. Can you just show us, God, that we know that when you leave that God is present with us? Could you close that gap, that distance, that sense of barrier between me and God? Could you, could you peel back for just a moment the sky and reveal to us what's going on in the heavens? You've done it before. We've read about it in the Old Testament. Could you just for a second show us into heaven? And then, then we'll be okay. And Jesus offers this really disappointing alternative. This is, you, this is it. This is it. Everything that you want to see, everything that you would hope to see, I'm right here. The guy that was washing your feet, the guy that you've walked with day to day, the Father is in me. I want to offer three observations. Three observations towards dealing with the distance between me and God. Remember as a Bible school student when I was in my early 20s. Just like wrestling with belief and obedience, you know? Dependence. Wrestling with dependence. And saying to the Lord, you know what would really make things much easier? Is if you would just show up for like 30 seconds. If, if you could just like wipe down the barrier briefly. 
that I could tangibly lay eyes on you. I feel like that would solve so much for me. Echoing the disciples, just show us God. Three observations about those who wrestle with the distance between, uh, those who wrestle with the distance between you and God, that unseen, undefined distance. Number one, and this is clear through this conversation and so many other places in Scripture, God has always been after seekers. God, from the beginning of time, from creation, has been after seekers, those who would reach out, who would cry out, who would, who would seek to find him. Genesis 4.26, right after the fall, it tells us in this commentary, uh, there's only been one generation of children after Adam and Eve, and it says at that time, people begin to call on the name of the Lord. People begin to make effort to bridge the distance. Moses points to this in Deuteronomy. Just before the people are about to go into the land, he's trying to compel them to walk in obedience, and he says this, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord your God whenever we call on him. He says, do you realize what an incredible privilege we have that the God of the universe has chosen to take up residence in proximity to us? What a gift. And then he goes on to predict that these people will reject that gift. And in rejecting that gift, they will be scattered. And he says this at the end of the chapter, but from that place, that place of being scattered to the wind, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all of your heart and all of your soul. Oh, you're going to be lost. You're going to be really lost. And in that place of being so lost, so removed, so done in, even in that place, God is after seekers. Reach out. Seek him with a whole heart, and you will find him. Paul, in Acts 17, is walking through the city Athens, waiting for his friends to show up. He gets bored, so he goes into the temple, and he sees that there's an idol to an unknown God, and so he strikes up conversation. He says, I know who that unknown God is. He's the one that created everything. You want to know more about him? And this is what he says about the God of the universe, Acts 17. From one man, he made all of the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. And God did so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. James 4.8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God has always been after seekers. Do you understand that the distance that you feel right now, the distance between you and God is by God's design? 
God is not withheld. God is not prevented from showing up right now, from peeling back the skies and saying, hello. And when he does that, guess what? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But God now, in this time, in this time of us wrestling with his distance, God is after seekers. And there's this repeated promise, if you seek after God, you will find him and he will draw near to you. That's the first observation. The second observation is this. Jesus is definitely elusive with his answers. Isn't that the experience, though, when you feel that God is far, is too distant? Isn't it so frequent that along with that is a sense that he's not answering the questions that I'm asking? Anyone ever felt that? Why are you being so elusive? Trying to ask you a direct question. Where are you going? Well, you can't come. That's not the question I asked. It's part of the, the challenge of the walk of faith is that in those moments where we, we feel this, this, this distance between us and God, that, that quick answers seem to be so elusive. David in Psalms 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Here I am wanting some questions answered and I'm just left to like wrestle and stew over things in my own mind because you don't respond to me. God has always been after seekers. God is often elusive with his answers. Thirdly, and this is the last one, the disciples could not comprehend God's new bodily form. You understand that's at the crux of this whole conversation? Just before ascending to heaven, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As, as he's ascending to heaven. Wait, what? What do you mean you're with us? I can literally see you leaving. Don't worry, I'm always with you until the very end of the age, up into the clouds. Is anyone else bothered by that contradiction? <laughs> During the time that Jenny and I were spending... Uh, we spent a couple of years mostly apart. I remember driving down East Hill Road, and this song came on the radio. He called her on the road from a lonely, cold hotel room just to hear her say, I love you one more time. It was a country song. But when he heard the sound of the kids laughing in the background, he had to wipe away a tear from his eye. A little voice came on the phone and said, Daddy, when are you coming home? And he said the first thing that came to his mind... You guys know what it is? I'm already there. <laughs> Take a look around. 
I'm the sunshine in your hair. I'm the shadow on the ground. I'm the whisper in the wind. I'm your imaginary friend. I'm already there. To which the son said, Dad, have you started taking drugs? I don't want the sunshine in my hair version of you. I want you. I want the real thing in proximity. What do you mean you are with us to the end of the age? The disciples couldn't comprehend God's new bodily form. If you wrap it back to the beginning of the conversation, a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then to the end of the conversation in John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and we will make our residence in him, in that person. I'm going to leave. But if you rest yourself, even though you cannot see me, if you will rest yourself in dependence upon me, I and the Father, together, through the Spirit, will come and we will make our residence in you. And that residence of our presence in your life will have a transforming effect on all of your relationships such that that will become my witness to the entire world, the way that you interact with each other. <laughs> and all the guys said, actually, we would rather you stay. That sounds really challenging. They could not comprehend God's new bodily form. Because the bodily form of Jesus right now is his church. And his witness is the way that the church members care for each other. And we make the mistake at times saying, I want to bridge that distance. I want to bridge that, that feeling of being far from God because of the hurt of relationships. And so we turn away from the source of his presence in our lives, which is his people. We say, I can't do that. I want something else. I would, I would rather just deal with God one-on-one -on -one in person. God, I need your presence in my life. It's a valuable prayer. It's an important prayer. And yet Jesus says, you need to understand, like, my presence is in you. Collectively, manifest through your capacity to love the way that I have loved. That's how I will be with you. My spirit residing in you. I invite the worship team up. The unifying presence of the Holy Spirit in his body is also his witness to the world of who he is. And we all, even now, as they were then, are tempted to say, I don't like that arrangement. I'm not sure we're doing a very good job of displaying your character here on earth. And yet Jesus says, no, this is my intention. I'm going to leave. I will send my presence.
I and the Father will make our home in you. And as you respond to that love by loving each other, my presence will be manifest through you. This has become my prayer more and more as I've gotten older. I walk into any meeting or conversation. God, would you make yourself evident through me? Because I'm the best you got. I'm broken, I'm fallen, I'm sinful. And yet this was your idea to prove your glory through your presence in my life. Let's do this. And to love in a way that's consistent with his mission. Would you guys stand with me? We have a couple of ways to respond. This morning we take communion, which is celebrating the body and blood of Jesus. He says, I want you to remember my death until I come. It's through his death that we have life. It's through union. It's through him abiding in us, which we signify when we take the bread and the cup, his presence in us. Uh, you can give. They're offering receptacles as part of your worship. Uh, you would give to support the ministry of Church on the Rock. Uh, I'm going to ask a couple of our elders that are available. Uh, the first Sunday of the month, our elders are available to pray for any needs that you have. They'll be over here. If you have anything that you would like for them to lay hands on you and pray for you with, please take advantage of that this morning. Uh, and then we're going to worship the Lord. Let me pray before we come before him in worship. God, I know in this room this morning, there are varying degrees of a sense of distance. There are those right now who feel so near to you and those right now who feel so far from you. Yet we also know we all wrestle with that distance. We all wrestle to reach out and to seek after the unseen God. We're so thankful for your presence in our lives through your spirit. And I pray that those who feel far from you this morning, God, that you would touch them by your spirit. Show them that you are near. Show them that you care. You have not abandoned them. And I pray that we as believers, as a church, would be on mission with you to make your glory known to the world around us and the way that we care for each other. Give us strength for this calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. He wants to meet you in your mind, in your heart, right where you stand. So if this morning he's moving on your heart, now's the time to respond to what he wants to do with you. There's prayer ministry available that you can get. They'll be around for a little bit after service if you want to go there. And then, of course, I'm a huge fan on Sunday. If I've heard a message and I've thought, I know that God's speaking something to me, I actually will. I have a couple buddies. I'll text them. Or I'll go home with my wife and we'll pray together. So if God's moving on your heart, don't let the moment pass. Now's the time.